we just want to extend a welcome band. Would you help me just welcome everybody tuning in for the first time? Hey, listen, we're so glad that you tuned in today. I don't believe it was an accident. Can I say that, guys? I don't think it was an accident. I know somebody shared something with you. I know you just happened to come across this. I don't think it's an accident. I think God had been aligning things in your life because God wants to speak something to your heart today. God wants to free you of something today. So I just, I'm really glad that you're here. And if you've been a part of our church for a while now here at X Church, you know that this weekend we're ready to kick off summer. I'm ready for summer. You guys ready for summer? Pastor Kevin, you ready for it? I'm so ready for summer. Hey, Memorial Day seems to kick off the official start. And let's just be honest, summer showed up, didn't it? It has been hot this week. And I, I love that. And so we're ready to kick off a series called Summer at the X. Uh, man, I, I'm excited about it. I've got some things I want to share with you. Here's the deal. That's what I was planning to do. And then God changed my plans. That ever happened to you guys? Come on. I was planning. To, I, I was, we're going to kick this off. A couple weeks ago, God spoke to me and said, mm, not yet. I need you to push it back one week one week and so next week we're going to kick off summer at the x okay it's going to be awesome you're going to want to tune in next week this week felt like god was leading me to try to walk us through something that i think we need to talk about so this week is going to be a little bit different it's not going to be it's not going to be a traditional message it's not going to be a typical if you're tuned in you're like i wanted to hear pastor tim preach and all that it's going to be different than that what i felt like we needed more than anything right now in our church and in our culture was that we needed to have a really, really important conversation about racism. I, I know that most of us in the middle of this pandemic, the only thing we hear about is this pandemic. It feels like it just masters the headlines. Every day the news is something else with coronavirus and, and I get that, it's serious that we're walking through. But a few weeks back, maybe you'll remember, there was a video that got released. Just, it affected me. There's a video that was released of, of the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. And I know that probably most, if not all of you, saw that video of this young man jogging in his neighborhood when he was attacked and, and he was killed. And what's interesting is whenever there is a new video or something released, all of a sudden what we realize is this deep-seated problem that we have in our country of racism bubbles up to the top. But then very quickly in the midst of a pandemic, it feels like it just kind of dissipates. But if I could just look into the camera and tell you that there are people every single day that deal with the same battle, even if it's not making the headlines. So I felt like it was important for us to have this conversation. I felt like God was leading me to to want to be able to have just an honest conversation about what racism looks like today in our culture. What does it look like for the church to stand up and be a voice of love, to be a voice of unity into this? Little did I know when I moved in that direction a couple weeks ago that I'd be recording this right on the heels of another video being released. This week, another video released guy named George Floyd that was killed while in custody and that video if I could just tell you that video kind of it it wrecked me I, 
I was disgusted, stomach drop. I got angry. I, I don't know if you saw it, but it, but it bothered me. And I knew when that video came out that God had been prompting me a couple weeks back because it's a time to have this conversation. Can I just tell you something that you may not know about racism, but racism is not something we're born with. There's no racism gene. We're not born hating another person. It is something that is passed down generation to generation. It is something that is taught. Nelson Mandela once said this quote, he said, nobody is born hating another person because of the color of their skin or their background or their religion. No, no one is born that way. They have to be taught to hate. People are taught to hate. And he said this, if people can be taught to hate, then guess what? They can be taught to love. And I believe that maybe now more than ever, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ who has the message of love. Listen, our message as Christ followers is that God loved the whole world. He didn't just love one part of this world. He loved the whole world that he sent his son Jesus. When Jesus showed up, do you know what his message was? His message was love. Jesus says the whole world will know you're my disciple by how you love one another. So this idea that hate runs rampant in our culture still today, can I just tell you, it is the opposite of the message of Jesus. And if we are Christ's followers and we're gonna follow in Jesus's footsteps, then listen, we need to get this right. We need to understand this message. So a couple weeks ago, I, I decided to sit down with a few friends. A few friends that, that I have who are a part of our church and one who's not really a part of our church, but has been connected to our ministry. And I asked these, these guys, these are my brothers, these are family, these are church family, these guys. I asked them if they would sit down and have just an open and candid conversation about racism. And all of them have experienced things personally that I, as a white guy, have never experienced. And I felt like this was a time where more than just saying a few things or putting out a post, but I want us to have a conversation about it. So I, I asked them, I said, guys, can, can I, can I listen and can I hear and can we have a candid conversation about what racism is today in the culture and what it's gonna take for us to move past this as humans? And so I got together with them. Now, listen, you're gonna have to bear with me because I'm gonna take you right into this video and we're gonna listen in on our conversation. But, but I need you to know that we did it in a socially distant, appropriate way, so it was done on Zoom. Y'all know Zoom ain't great quality, so I'm just apologizing right now. The quality isn't great, but it was the best way for, for me and I think a very timely moment to have a conversation. And so I wanna invite you today into that conversation. Take a look. Well, today I've got three friends of mine here for an important conversation. Two of them are part of our ex-church family. We've got Anthony Turner, who is football coach and athletic director for Fairfield Christian Academy. I've got Jarrell Potts, who's a business analyst for Goodwill Columbus and plays on our worship band, Mean on the Bass. And I've got Pastor Chris Griffith. He's actually led worship at our church before, but is now a pastor in the middle of planting a church in Chicago, Windy City, 
with a Dallas hat on. What is up with that? <laughs> I can't get a haircut, so. <laughs> COVID-19, I get it. I get it, man. I tell you what, what a crazy time to plant a church, right? Crazy. Crazy, yep. All right, first question. We're going to get into just a, a conversation that I've been wanting to have for a while, but I've got to ask because I've just I've been watching The Last Dance. I've seen it all. I don't know if you guys have been watching The Last Dance, thinking about Chicago. And so I've got to ask, all three of you need a vote. Is MJ the greatest of all time? Yes or no? Hands down. The greatest of all Hands time. down. That's a yes from Anthony. Jer- Jarrell. I-, I think it's hard to say there's any one greatest player <laughs> of all time. I know you're a Cleveland guy, but come on. Well, I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I think I think Kareem and Magic Johnson, and you know, are, are arguably just as good, if not better, than Michael Jordan. I mean, they, they both are very accomplished. No, I mean, the, honestly, I don't think LeBron's even better than Michael Jordan. I think either oh. one of those two guys can honestly give him around for their money. But <laughs> there's been too many great basketball I'm, players. He's, I'm going to settle the debate. There's there is a comparison. Even LeBron can can hold a candle to that. He's he's got everything. It definitely changed my perspective on him, even being the same age as LeBron, a little bit younger from Akron. I'm coming around. I'll Good. say that much. Good, because I know, Pastor Chris, you already have to say it's MJ. You can't go to Chicago to plant a church and not say MJ is the greatest of all time. I'm going to have to settle the debate once and for all that the GOAT is a kid from Akron, LeBron no. James. No, he's not. the greatest of all time. I'm sorry. It is oh, what man. it is. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Dude, I, I can't handle this. Okay. Uh, let's <laughs> get, let's get this. Oh, no, I can't. I can't even. We, we want, I don't want to talk about six championships versus three, and I don't want to talk about how he was nine-time first team all defense, and I don't want to talk about three-time steel leader. I don't want to talk about any of those <laughs> other things. We'll just talk. Let's go. Let's talk. Let's get into our conversation, okay? I, I shouldn't have even started that. But, uh, well, thank you guys uh, for joining me for what really, honestly, I feel like is a really important conversation. Um, this is something I've had on my heart to do for a while, and I think it's a very needed conversation in our communities and in our churches. And I think with this latest video uh, being released of the shooting death of Ahmad Arbery, it has really brought racism uh, back to the forefront of culture again. And honestly, I, I think we all would agree it doesn't ever go away. It never goes away for some, um, but now it's become mainstream news again. And so I, I just thank you guys for, for, for getting on here because part of what I wanted to do, being a, a white man, and I'm in a, a place of influence, and I wanted to be able to hear from you guys. I want to be able to listen. And I want to hear your experiences and your stories so that you can help me uh, know how to be in this struggle with you and the entire black community and how we can find unity. And, uh, and so, Pastor Chris, why, why don't you start us off? I, when you saw or heard the news of Ahmad being ambushed and killed while he was jogging in a neighborhood, can I ask what was your reaction? What, what did that do to you? Yeah, I think my initial reaction uh, was just simply that, um, you know, first of all, super emotionally uh, shaken by it. 
Um, but I think the second thing that quickly followed was um, not only uh, was I sad for this man that had been killed, but um, I just thought and kind of was gripped with fear in the sense of, man, that could have easily been me. Um, you know, uh, there's been many times where uh, I've been on a jog and I've, you know, uh, kind of just not really thought through it. And I think now it really makes you think um, when you go outside and when you walk outside your doors, like, could it be the last time, you know, that you see your loved ones? And so I think for me, that was one of the, the scariest moments uh, is thinking that, you know, that could have easily been me. And um, yeah, I, I think that those are kind of some of my initial uh, feelings about it. Jarrell, how about you? Because I know you and I were talking the other day um, that I think you, you were telling me that you had some similar kind of fears and concerns. This was before the video ever came out. Um, wasn't it true that you were telling me because just jogging a very similar thing? What, what were you talking about? Right, just about a month before the video came out, you know, during this pandemic, I've been trying to take a walk slash jog through the neighborhood just to stay active because you can't do much of anything. So um, I just have this, you know, I try to either, I'm not sure should I be on the sidewalk when it gets towards the evening, you know, got two kids in the day, so I don't have a whole lot of free time during the day. So the evening is one of the only times I can really get out of the house, clear my head, take a little walk, jog. Um, neighborhood um, out here where we live at and as it gets towards the evening I say well if I'm on the sidewalk maybe somebody thinks I'm trying to get in their house maybe if I'm on the street maybe somebody trying to think I'm trying to get in the car um, I'm not really sure which one to pick so before that video came out I kind of had those thoughts to myself um, going through the neighborhood so after, after the video came out it was kind of ironic um, that to me it really didn't matter if the guy was jogging or not it just was that you know that some private citizens approached another private citizen and the guy ended up dead and it was like, well, and no one was arrested it was more of a, more concerning to me than that almost that the guy was uh, killed was that no one was arrested for it and um, that people weren't outraged about that. Like no one was arrested about it. But, you know, I had similar thoughts about, my, about myself just being out in the neighborhood as it, as it got dark. Yeah, I, I honestly was, you know, I think, I guess my point is that uh, we all probably will perceive things like that from a different perspective where, where like you're saying, Pastor Chris, and you're saying, Jarrell, like, you know, there's a concern or fear when you hear that for your own safety out in public doing things. Whereas, you know, I, I don't feel that way, you know, because I haven't had those experiences. And, um, and yet I was outraged the fact that the video is released uh, months later and nothing had happened. Um, but I think, again, my experience is different than maybe how, how you would see it. Uh, what about you, Anthony? I mean, how, what, what was it like when you heard the news or you saw it? I don't know. What's your feelings? My first response was, how do I, how do I explain this to my kids? And then I started thinking about my kids. If, uh, once they become of age and they can jog in the neighborhood by themselves, what, what do I tell them? How, why do I have to tell them? to be aware of certain situations when you're out for a job. And um, to me, <laughs> like I, I still am lost for words. I don't know how to explain that to my kids. And, and I think, um, I think this is a, one of those situations that just highlights um, something that happens all the time. I, I think that there are things like this that happen that maybe they don't make mainstream news but we hear situations happening all the time. And um, I think there's a different perspective of how we approach it. And so, you know, I guess one of the things that, you know, I think 
I think there's a lot of people, and you guys know a lot of people, whether it's in our church, our communities, that you know a lot of even white people, you would say, hey, these are good people. They're not racist. Um, and, and, and I think, though, sometimes because it makes us uncomfortable that uh, we, we don't know how to respond. I don't know how to respond sometimes to things like this. And I think one thing I see sometimes happen in, in a, maybe more so from the white community is an attempt to downplay racism, uh, maybe because it makes us uncomfortable, you know, or we don't want to think that it is as per pervasive as it is. Uh, and I hear phrases, you know, I hear, I hear white people say things like, well, I don't see color. And um, <laughs> what does that mean to you for, for somebody to say? And I, and I think, let me just say this. I think the intention is like, I understand it is good. It's like, I'm trying to say I don't see it. But I also think that we're missing something. Does that make sense that we're missing something by saying it's like, it's like, yeah, but you are different looking than I am. Why can't we embrace that instead of downplay that? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Chris, what do you think? What, what, when, is yeah. there a, a level where you feel like it's downplayed too much? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I know for, for the most part, uh, anytime I've ever heard that, you know, it's always come from a place where, um, you know, people you know, are, have a good heart behind it. They're not meaning that in a negative light, so to speak. But um, I think it's just good to educate yourself and know that, um, yeah, like you said, that we do have differences and that we need to celebrate differences. And I believe that when we celebrate differences, um, instead of um, trying to um, just go to what's comfortable, sometimes um, we can actually uh, come together and actually experience uh, just different worldviews. And I, I love the diversity of our world. And that's the beautiful part of our world is that we have so many different kinds of backgrounds and ethnicities. And, um, and that's what makes our world beautiful. I want to say this, is it possible that all of us have areas of prejudice that maybe we're afraid to admit? Um, and I think, I think that's, there's something important for us to talk about because I think there's a lot of people who say, well, I'm not racist. Yes. But I think the moment we overlook the fact that we all have some version of a prejudice in us, and it may not be white and black, it could be white and Hispanic or black and uh, Middle Eastern. I mean, let, let's be honest that there's, this is the context that we're in, but um, I, I just, the word prejudice means to pre, prejudge and without knowing somebody, but by the exterior, you, you think things and you prejudge things. And um, I don't know, do, do you feel like that there's a difference there between being prejudiced or having a prejudice and being racist? I mean, what do you think, Pastor Chris? Oh, for sure, for sure. I think those it's important to um, that we define those words. And uh, I think sometimes in our culture, certain words are buzzwords, and people just say them and not really understand what they mean. But uh, I think it's definitely important that we define um, what those really mean. And I, I do kind of see those as two uh, different things. Um, and I definitely feel like, you know, I mean, everybody has uh, – predisposition to, um, you know, to when they see certain things, you know, to, to um, you know, it may hit them a particular way. I think about, you know, sometimes even for me, I'm a, I'm a big guy, I'm, I'm 6'5", you know, two, 275, I'm a big old dude. 
Um, and so, you know, if I'm walking down an alley, um, you know, and somebody sees me late at night, um, obviously, you know, you'd be scared. Uh, I would be scared <laughs> uh, if I saw another person that same size walking down the aisle. So, I mean, it's just uh, we have all these things um, in us that sometimes, um, you know, would uh, uh, lead us to fear. But I think it's just important that uh, we continue to have these conversations because I think it's important that we begin to understand people. And I think where uh, it gets bad is when, um, you know, that that uh, we allow that prejudice and that allow uh, that to like lead us and allow it to uh, be the guiding light in our life. We can't let, you know, first of all, we can't let fear as believers be the thing that guide us. But um, second of all, those things that we fear, um, we have to take time to understand them so they, they're no longer fear. And um, yeah, I just believe that um, it's just important that we kind of really clearly define what those things are. Anthony, have you experienced what you would consider uh, prejudice because of the color of your skin? I mean, my guess is yes. Um, wh whether it's racism or it's prejudice, because I think that, it, I don't know, would you say that there is a line? There's a difference between them, and, and maybe what have you experienced? Uh, there is a difference between them, but at the same time, it kind of links itself uh, together. But like you said, we all have prejudice, so then, therefore, we all have some sort of racism in us. Um, but for an example, my wife and I, we lived in Groveport, and we were walking around the development, and we ran into a, a couple, and um, they're walking down the same sidewalk as we are, so we move off to the graph so they can walk through, but then that leads to conversations. So we start to have conversation and how long you've been living in the neighborhood. What do you guys do for a living? And I told the lady that I was a teacher and she, wow, you're educated. It's like, why are you shocked that I am a teacher? Like there, there are black teachers out here. And to go along with that, I kind of fed into her, her, uh, dialogue. I was like, I, I actually have a master's too. Are you, are you surprised? It, 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 it's just mind boggling that uh, what we see on TV or how black people are portrayed within the media that we think that that is how they all are. Wow. I can't believe, I mean, it, it, it is. I mean, how about you, Jarrell? I, I assume that maybe you've had experiences or family members have had experiences where, where you've dealt with other people's prejudices. In other words, they didn't know you. Uh, I feel like racism is when somebody takes their prejudice and then acts on it. it that it's a it's a, a an aggressive, or maybe it doesn't even have to be aggressive. Maybe it doesn't have to be that far, but a negative type of action that is taken or that you experience because of someone's prejudice. Drew, have you had experiences? I guess that, that you would speak to whether it's prejudice or even racism that you've encountered. You know, definitely, you know, different uh, present situations over the years, you know, a lot of the professional capacity, uh, a lot of a reoccurring thing for me and as a professional is, you know, going to places and people being surprised or constantly being, being questioned. I know I would, would travel around for work uh, when I worked for the attorney general and I would go around places and they would, you know, question to my business card a bunch of times or they would want to call back to the office back in Columbus. Um, they just couldn't believe that I would show up in uh, some small county in Southeast Ohio or Northeast Ohio, wherever I would drive to and just say, you know, this, well, this isn't the guy you said last time. Does he even work there? You know, or just people would, be, people would be surprised in my capacity that, yeah, he's the guy coming out to audit your money. That's who he sent. Oh, okay. Well, you know, 
Yeah, and I think my point is this, and, and I'll, I'll own it. I think we all have some prejudice. I, I don't have any prejudice towards you guys. I know you guys, and I love you guys. Um, but it doesn't mean that as a white guy that there aren't situations or moments where I'd see people or there's a group of black guys that are on a corner. Like, you know, I was telling you that Anthony the other day, walking down the street, then in the back of my mind, I might go, I don't know if I should walk past them. What happens? What if they want to do something? You know what I mean? Mess with me. And, and I think just being real, just being real, you know, those are, we all have to own that, you know, that, and, and I think, I think it's understanding. I think the moment we all can own that, okay, what are my prejudices? Uh, even if I say, I feel like I'm not racist, what are my prejudices? I can't let those things dictate my life. I can't let them dictate the way I think and the way I see people. And, and I think that's what I wanted as a reminder for all of us, you know, that are watching this is that, um, you know, that we should never judge somebody by their exterior. I love what, um, what God spoke to Samuel when he was trying to anoint, you know, that the next king of Israel, and he's going to pick the tall guy who's tall, dark, and handsome, and uh, in David's family. And God says, you know, I've rejected him. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And I feel like the more we grow in our faith, the more we stop looking at people and judging them that we don't know based maybe by the way they look and it may not just be the color of their skin it could be maybe what we think is their sexual orientation it could be a lot of different things that we have a tendency to prejudge people and and so i think it's important for us to understand that and you know i think about just uh this the situation that that has come to surface lately and i think about how there's a lot of people that maybe in my, I'll say white people, that when they see another thing happen, okay, it to, in the black community, that may feel like, hey, this isn't, I don't know what to do, but I, this isn't really my problem. Anthony, what would you say to, to somebody that maybe isn't going to ever verbalize that? Let me just say that. They're probably going to verbalize that. But in the back of their mind, that's what they're thinking. You know, this, this, uh, you know, this came out, this isn't my problem. And wh what would you say to that? Uh, <clears throat> it's a humanity problem. So therefore it defaults it to be your problem. And it's our duty as parents or as children of God to educate ourselves on different cultures and to not ignore what goes on within those different cultures. It, and that goes to what Pastor Chris was saying about educating ourselves and educating those around us and using our powerful, our power of influence uh, wisely. Yeah. What, what about you, Jarrell? What, what would you say to somebody that's, that, that is thinking when, when there's another situation that, or, and they're like, man, that's, man, that's, that's awful, but it's not really my problem. So I, I'm not going to say anything or get involved. You know, what, what would you say to that? Well, definitely, you know, I think it's a similar uh, situation to, uh, you know, being colorblind. You know, I, I also don't live in any of these poor uh, places in, you know, maybe third world countries that need money. I don't live there either, right? You know, I don't live some other places. I don't live in this neighborhood um, where the situation uh, with Mr. Aubrey occurred at either. You know, I don't live there, right? So it's not my problem, I said, but... Um, if it's, if it's a wrong, then it's a wrong. Um, and it's still, it's up to me to, to use whatever influence I have to, to bring light to the situation. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people that, that have that similar mind pro, uh, thought process, 
um, Tyrod, we have Pastor Chris on, who's in Chicago, typically use, you know, Chicago as a place to bring up and say, what about Chicago? It's like, but they bring up Chicago in the context of, of, of crime there, but that's not the issue. They, they bring it up to deflect from the situation. I don't live in Chicago either, but I care about the people there. I care about the people everywhere. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I think there's two pieces to this, um, you know, uh, like Anthony said, like, yes, first of all, it is a human issue. It's a human condition. Um, and I think that, you know, no matter who you are, I think you could um, see the Ahmaud Arbery situation or situations like it and say, man, like, I have a friend that I know that that could have been or, um, you know, my son has a friend or my daughter has a friend or um, I know somebody like that, that that could have been. And just honestly empathizing with the situation and putting yourself in that person's shoes. Um, but the second piece, I think, is like just also like um, our response as like believers, as, as followers of Jesus. Um, and I believe that the scriptures, uh, you know, point directly to that, that um, anytime there's a part of the body that is hurting, um, that it's our opportunity to treat that part of the body um, like it's us and really love. And even if we don't necessarily understand how it happened or even the things behind it, I think it's important that if one piece of the body is hurting, the whole body is hurting. And so, um, yeah, I just think it's, you know, it's both of those. It's empathizing. It's a human condition um, where, you know, anybody in this world, um, you know, has somebody, knows somebody that, you know, that could have been but also in the sense of just as followers of Christ, our, our responsibility, um, you know, we, how can we say we love our brother uh, or how can we say we love God and don't love our brother or sister? Um, you know, those are things that I kind of think about, um, you know, when a person would respond in the way it's like, uh, it's not necessarily my problem. So I, out of sight, out of mind, like I don't see it, I don't experience it. But, um, you know, in the age that we live in and the technology that we see, you know, we see these stories, hear these stories every day. And, um, you know, I just, I don't know that there are any excuses left for us to not sense and feel some of these things anymore. Yeah, I, I love what you said, Anthony. I, I feel like that this is not a, you know, to me, this is not a black community issue. This is a human issue that we're talking about. Injustice is something that I think, especially if you're a Christ follower, that injustice is something that I believe that we should stand up for. Why? Because like, you're my brother. Like I'm looking at you three guys. You guys are my brothers. You're my brother in Christ. And I like to look at it this way. And if you're not my brother in Christ, you're my neighbor. Think about what Jesus, you know, think about the story Jesus told about the good Samaritan, you know, and, and he tells the story of a Jew who is leaving Jerusalem, traveling on the road and he gets jumped and he's left for dead. A priest comes by, a, a, a Levite comes by on the other side of the road. Um, you know, and then it says a Samaritan comes by and that story, by the way, is, I think a lot of times we forget is rich in racism. Like today in the 21st century, we're talking about what tends to be more often black and white here in America, but it was the same thing thousand, 2000 years ago. It was Jew and it was Gentile. It was Jew and Samaritans. The Jews hated the Samaritans because they were different than them, you know? Uh, and, and their bloodline was different and vice versa. And so when Jesus tells the story, I can imagine the audience is just shocked as they says a Samaritan comes by and helps the guy up, bandages his wounds, 
takes him to the hospital, pays for his stay, um, and all that. And Jesus looks at a guy who is really asking this question to get out of helping other people. Who's my neighbor? Um, who's the one that was the neighbor to the, the Jew that was beaten? And the answer was, the guy gave Jesus, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yeah, that's, that's, that. he said, go and do likewise. And so I think one of the things that's important for, for myself being, uh, being a white man in white community, you know, mixed community, but being representing, I guess, it's important for me and every person to understand that, that it is our issue. It's a human issue. This is something that we all need to own. It is not going to get better until we all recognize that. And so I wanted to ask you guys a question because I think at times, just want to be honest, um, and I think this is a revelation that I've gotten over the last few years, and that is that for me to not say anything uh, really just lends itself to the problem. In other words, for me to not speak up, okay, and not when I see injustice, when there is racism, when there are things like that. And for me not to say something, this is a revelation that I've gotten the last few years. Uh, I, I'm a part of the problem. No, I'm not part of that racism, but I'm a part of a systemic problem that we have. And, and I, I just felt like God laid that on my heart that when there's these moments, I need to speak up. The Bible tells us to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. And I felt like that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so my question to you guys is this, are there ever events or issues like this one that maybe some of your white friends or even your church has been silent on that maybe you secretly wish that they would lend their voice to? I think what comes to mind is uh, the whole Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the national anthem. A lot of white people took that as in he was disrespecting America when that was never his intent at all, because he was taking a knee for those who can't speak for themselves. And what that did was start the conversation that we're having right now on the systematic racism that goes on. Um, me personally, I wouldn't have took a knee during the national anthem. I would have found a different way to do it, but that's the way he did it. And that on his, as his power of influence, that got the whole world to talk about uh, the issue, which, Schematically, I thought it was a, a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Pastor Chris? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, um, like you mentioned before, uh, a lot of people have been afraid to say stuff just because they didn't know what exactly to say. Um, and I think, um, you know, that, that's a tough place to be in. I can't necessarily think of a specific example of like an event uh, that happened um, that I wish that the church would speak out on a little bit more or my white friends would speak out on a little bit more. But um, yeah, I think just using your voice and your influence, I think sometimes um, it, it can come across a lot better. And I think that the impact of um, you as a white uh, male speaking up to white people um, can honestly do a lot more than me using my voice to your culture, so to speak. And so I think that if we have leaders who are willing to use their platform to speak um, against things that are negative or wrong or injustices, um, that it will help turn the tide and help change come about. And so I think that's just the move is just using your platform um, uh, and using your position to um, 
to, to speak to those things to the people you have influence over. So um, for me, um, it's been really cool in this season to kind of see um, some different things happen in the world, and especially now the Ahmad Aubrey situation. And uh, friends, uh, friends that are white will reach out and just ask, man, like, how are you doing, man? Uh, that's been cool. That's been really, um, you know, a good thing that I feel like has come of this um, is that people are starting to become, you know, more aware and uh, as the kids would say, more woke <laughs> to things happening in our world. And so I just appreciate that. And I think, um, you know, uh, even this conversation, uh, more conversations are happening. And I just think that that's like so key. And so I think the biggest thing is as the church, um, we may not always get it right, but man, just saying something uh, is better than nothing um, where we're at in, in today. Well, that's, I, I think that's kind of the revelation that I've had as of late. It's like, hey, I don't know if what I say is going to make that much of a difference, but I think to not say anything is, is um, the problem. You know, it's, it's adding to it. It's not, we're never going to see a change to this if we don't speak up. Right. I, you know, of a situation, you know, a couple years ago, like a, a situation like Tamir Rice up in Cleveland, um, situations like that um, from, from experiences are happening. And you, and you see, again, you know, Pastor Chris talked about we have social media, everybody's reposting, retweeting things. If you see a lot of, um, you know, uh, black individuals reposting the same thing, as a white person, you know what? If they're saying, hey, we need to check into this, maybe, maybe it's had a, a racial connotation to a racial context, reposting that may put a different light on it and say, hey, you know what? I don't have all the details. I don't have all the facts. I don't know everything. But hey, as a white person, I'm putting this out there. If these individuals are looking into it, if, if they're checking it out, and these are my brothers in Christ, I'm gonna I'm look into it too. And so now we're, we're hey, maybe just let it go by. Um, again, I think this is how the Amal Arbor case started coming to life. People, you know, black folks started to put it out there. Hey, these guys shot this guy and nothing happened. What's going on here? And started to get traction. If we start to have white people, you know, get on our side and start putting that stuff out there to the atmosphere on social media and say, hey, you know what? We need to look into this. What what's happening and have have our backs on that? I think it's had started to have have more weight when we started looking at issues like that. Um, it carries a little more weight when, when you at least say, "Hey, you know what? I'm putting these out there for my friends. You know, some other friends I, that I know are black are posting this and they're seeing this on their social media. I'm going to post it on mine. You know, maybe I don't know what to say, um, and that's all right. But if nothing else, I'm, I'm going to retweet it. I'm going to repost it on social media. Hey, check this out for my friends. I think that's at least a start because again. I, Something I don't know what to say. So I'm not going to say everybody has to know what to say. Like you have to know the answer and this is what we need to do. But if you could put it out there for your people to read it, at least nothing else, you can, at least you're bringing light to something that you didn't know about and the people that your friends would probably didn't know about either. My wife has always uh, sympathized with the black community because of racism, but she's never really empathized with us until the Ahmaud Arbery situation happened. I, I shared it with her. And immediately she put herself in my shoes and experienced in her mind the fears that black people have with doing certain things. And it allowed her to, uh, God just captured her heart and she shared it on, on social media, which uh, it's huge to hear that from a white person. It is huge. Wow. And I think um, there's personal support for people that you know, which is, I, I'm glad to hear that. I, I want to know that, you know? And then I think there's public support. I, I think there's, you know someone personally that you reach out to them. That's what I think I heard you guys saying. 
and, and yet also to, to lift your voice and to, to stand up for other humans who are in a different situation and experience things differently. What would you guys say? We don't have much time left, and, and so just maybe in the last minute uh, for each of you, like start with you, Pastor Chris. Um, what do you hope to see change in your lifetime when it comes to racism? And yeah. how is that going to Man, I, I would hope this, uh, I think three things that I've kind of boiled it down to. First of all, that um, all around the world, we would recognize that uh, we're facing a problem in our society, that we have an issue. Uh, second of all, uh, that we would continue to have conversations like this, that we would, uh, you know, uh, open our, our eyes and just open our hearts to receive from other people who have different experiences from us. And then lastly, I think that it would, uh, I hope that uh, an experience like uh, Ahmaud Arbery and then other experiences that have happened would cause us and move us to action. That it wouldn't just keep us in the same spot that we were at, that we think the same way, that, but we would um, allow uh, growth to take place. But I believe that ultimately, um, man, that the power to unite us is under the name of Jesus. And uh, I love what it says in the scriptures where it talks about, um, you know, with Jesus, like, you know, we're neither Jew nor Gentile, like we're all united under Jesus. And um, I think, like I said, at the beginning, it's recognizing that we are different, but then at the end of the day, recognizing that we can all come together because of Jesus. And so that's how the church can lead the way in uh, bringing people together in unity. And um, hopefully that the church can model that so that the rest of the world can um, actually uh, walk into that. Amen. How about you, Anthony? Any last words when you think about what would you love to see changed in your lifetime? Uh, I'm smiling because Pastor Chris has said unity, and I thought of Queen Latifah as U-N-I-T-Y. <laughs> uh, really, more so than anything, Pastor Tim is doing what you're doing. Like You're doing something hard uh, for the kingdom of God, and it takes more people and powerful positions of influence to do what you're doing. And I, I greatly appreciate you for having this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Jarrell, what about you? What, what do you want to see changed in your lifetime? Obviously other than to do away with racism, but. Yeah, like I said, you, 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 know, you may not be able to get rid of it, but I think definitely in a, in a post-civil rights era um, and in the um, explosion of population and um, immigration to our country, we, we did a really poor job. We, we did a lot of not talking about it and the decades kind of rolled on. But I think we kind of realized that the problem's not gonna get better and things aren't gonna get better. Relations don't get better unless we talk about them. I'm not sure how something gets, gets better unless you talk with your neighbor and talk with people about it and have open eyes conversations. Um, that's the only, only way things um, have, a, have a chance of getting better and improving and admitting that um, the past has occurred, the past has happened, and the past influences how we are in the present. Um, there's no way of getting around that and ignoring that. It doesn't really do any good. Um, and just admit, it's okay to be wrong, right? It's okay not to know all the answers, but talking about them and being open and honest um, with, it, with people is, is one way to at least kind of move forward with it. Thank you for just coming on here. I, I, I need to hear more of your stories. I need to hear because I, first of all, you're my brothers. You're my brothers in the Lord. You're family. Uh, I want to stand with you and for you in this cause. Um, this is, I, I, have always said racism is not a, a skin issue. It is a sin issue. It is, it really is that deep. 
And, uh, and I think as Christ followers that we have to stand for that. You know, we got to stand up for it. Hey guys, well, thank you so much for uh, just being on here, um, opening up, sharing some of your stories, the way you feel. Uh, I, know, I know God's going to use it. Now, here's what I know about a conversation like this today. There's probably one of two responses to this conversation, this video. There are some of you that are probably thinking, I'm glad that we're talking about this. I wish we'd have gone a little further. I wish, we'd, I wish we would dig a little bit deeper and, and you're probably right. But I also know that maybe there's others of you that you're thinking, this makes me feel uncomfortable. This, this conversation is it's something that makes me feel uncomfortable. Can I just say, I understand that. But I think in order for things to change, what we're gonna need to do is have some uncomfortable conversations. We, we need to dive into this, even if it feels awkward, even if I feel like I don't wanna say the wrong thing, I don't wanna mess up. The most important thing that we could do right now is we can allow ourselves to get a little bit uncomfortable so that there could be real change that happens in our world today. And the truth is this, this is what I would just challenge all of us with today. Truth is this, we all have prejudices toward others who aren't like us. It might not be because of the color of their skin, but it could be because of their religion. It could be because of their sexual orientation. It could be something that doesn't look like you. And I think one of the most important things that could happen this weekend is you're watching this, is that we could own it. And I know this is uncomfortable to even talk about or think about, the truth is this, we all have prejudices and things inside of us that we need to release to God. We need to be honest with it and we need to release it to God because listen, if we do not, it's always gonna put you on the other side of another person. It's always gonna put you on the opposite side of someone that God created and that Jesus died for. And if I could tell you something that I, I hope you will get this, that the whole goal of following Jesus is to put yourself on the same side as others. The whole goal of it. Listen, why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus, he came, stepped out of heaven and joined onto our side, a broken experience that we as humans live. Jesus got on our side. Jesus came and showed up and he gave his life for everyone that he created. He got on the side of humanity. And what I'm saying today that we need to do, regardless of where you are in this whole conversation, is if we're gonna follow Jesus, we need to get on the side of people. We need to get on the side of the ones that Jesus died for. My prayer today is that we could somehow unite. We could own God if there's prejudices, if there's things in me that have been handed to me or experiences that I've had that have caused me to harbor hatred or bitterness for any type of person that you died for. God, I pray that you would give me the strength to release it today. The passage that I wanna leave you with today. I want this to be the reminder for us as we conclude this start of a conversation. Why do I say that? Because this is a conversation that we're just beginning to have, that we need to keep having as the body of Christ and as communities within this culture. We're gonna, we're gonna keep having these conversations. It makes you feel uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but we need to. 
In order to get to a place of unity in this passage, 1 John 4, verses 20 and 21, I just pray that you would allow these words to challenge your heart today. Speak right into this moment, this situation we're dealing with as a culture. John wrote these words. He said, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Consider that for a moment. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command that anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Powerful words that John wrote thousands of years ago. It wasn't about a black or white thing or any other nationality, but it was, it was a people thing. We cannot say we love God if hate is in our heart for our brother or our neighbor. So my prayer for us today, for us to come together as a community that would be unified, my prayer for all of us today is that we would ask God to shine his light into the dark recesses of our spirit, shine his light into maybe dark places of maybe hatred or bigotry or even just prejudices that you recognize that have come to light. And say, God, would you replace that and fill me with your spirit and fill us with your love? We need the spirit of God today to fill us with his love. So I want to invite us right now in this moment. And listen, I, I know you're at home and maybe you're watching this some other time. It feels weird, but I, I believe this is really important, guys. I believe it's really important for us to unite our faith and our prayers, and to be open and honest with God in this moment. Say, God, would you do a work of healing in us? Because when God does a work of healing in the church, it's going to spill out to the community. It's going to spill out to our country. So we're gonna pray that God would forgive us, that God would heal our land. Would you bow your heads? Would you join me in prayer in this moment? Father, we come together right now to unite our faith. One body. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. We are all one body because of the work of Jesus. Neither black nor white, we're one body. We're human. God. You love the whole world, but you died for this world, for this world. You died for our sin. You died so that we could find life and life eternal. And so God, I pray right now for the areas that you're exposing in all of us, every one of us. God, areas where maybe we've held on to some prejudices, some areas, God, where maybe we've held on to hurt, areas maybe where we've held on to hatred, God, I pray right now, and this is us as a church, a community, and if this is you, just saying, I release it to you, God. In that moment, just with God, why don't you tell him, I release this to you. God, I, I'm gonna let go of this because I can't say I love you and hate my brother, and my sister. So God, I pray that you would fill us right now with your spirit. Listen, while we're praying, maybe what you need more than anything else is to encounter the love of Jesus. Maybe the truth is that you do not have the Spirit of God, the presence of God dwelling inside of you. I'm telling you, today can be that day. Today can be that moment 
where you can say yes to Jesus. Can I tell you, he loved you so much, regardless of the color of your skin, it did not matter. But he came and got on your side. He stepped out of perfection and he stepped into our experience to get on your side and my side. And Jesus went to the cross and he paid the ultimate sacrifice, the punishment for our sin came upon him on the cross so that we could be made right with God. And today you can be a child of God. You know what unites all of us who trust and follow in Jesus Christ is that we are family. And today, no matter what your race, no matter what religion, no matter what background, today you can become part of the family of God by saying yes to Jesus. By inviting his spirit to fill your life with love, his love, his peace, his grace. And if you wanna do that today, I'd love to lead you in a prayer right now. If that's you today, I'd love to ask you to respond. You're gonna pray a prayer with me in just a moment. Whether you're watching this on our online platform, you can click the link, the little banner says, today I give my life to Jesus. This is you saying yes to him. If you're watching this on another platform, you're gonna type life in the chat just right now. You're gonna say, I'm coming to life in Christ right now. If that's your decision right now in this moment, you just say life, just text it, just put it right in there. Click the banner and say, that's me. This is my prayer. I'm gonna welcome you to the family of God. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray that God would invade your life with his presence and his love. His spirit is going to come and dwell in your heart as you respond to him by faith. And so if that's you today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this prayer with me right wherever you are. Say, Heavenly Father, today I accept Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I recognize I'm a sinner and that I need a savior. I believe that Jesus, that you died for my sin. You rose again to give me life eternal life and today I accept it and I ask God your spirit fill my life overflowing that I could encounter your love your grace and your mercy in a real way from this moment forward I choose to follow Jesus we pray all of these things in Jesus name and everybody said together amen